the prime obligation of every human being is to speak out against injustice. We are our brother's keeper. You're listening to The Keeper, brought to you by the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice. I'm Katrina Lantos-Sweat. It is a popular, but perhaps overused metaphor to describe an encounter between unequal adversaries as a David and Goliath battle. And yet, it is so appropriate for today's guest on The Keeper that we might be accused of podcast malpractice if we did not employ it to describe the undaunted faith conviction, and sheer chutzpah of our guest, Joshua Wong. Joshua, a slender, bespectacled young man with a handsome mop of hair, was only 14 years old when he founded the reform movement known as scholarism. Just a few years later, at 17, he led the 2014 Umbrella Movement, fighting for Hong Kong's democratization. His inspirational mobilization of over 100,000 Hong Kongers to engage in peaceful protest on behalf of democracy and the rule of law captivated the world and galvanized a generation of young people to become activists and to peacefully resist Chinese control of their government. Joshua and his fellow Occupy leaders have been nominated for the Nobel Prize, and we are honored to have him join us on The Keeper today. Joshua, the Lantos Foundation recently announced that you will be the 2018 recipient of the Lantos Human Rights Prize, and we couldn't be more pleased and proud to be giving you our highest honor in our 10th anniversary year. At the age of 21, you are our youngest prize recipient by a large margin, and yet you have now been one of the world's leading human rights activists for over seven years. I want to begin by asking how, as a 14-year-old kid, you became the leader of a movement that has rocked Hong Kong and captivated the attention of the world. I would say that if you need to change the world or if you need to change the society, first you need to graduate at the best university of Hong Kong and you need to be a professional or enter middle class and in the future when you work inside the government and you can make change. But I doubt when I was 14 and just asked why I can't make some change when I was still in high school. And that's the starting point and my motivation. It's time for young generation to make some change instead of allowing the upper class elites or the authorities to dominate our future. Why don't we try our best to engage in campaign on the street to make some change and to let them realize that it's time to respect the youngster of this city. Do you think that in some ways, young people like you have more daring, more courage, because in a way you haven't had all of that idealism and all of that belief in the future sort of beaten out of you by life? Is it almost an advantage to be young? Yeah, that's the advantage for those traditional politicians. Politics for them may be just related to self-interest, their benefits, or the negotiation under the table. But for youngsters just like me, what we believe is politics should be the things that related to hope, courage, and determination. I think that's the diversity. Instead of involving in politics for personal gain or personal interest, what we try to do is to really make some change in the society. Just like what 
as choose by Oxford Dictionary few hours ago. You've clicked and named the word of the year. And what I hope is to prove that our young generation around the world can be the one to stand up against the authorities that just holding the power and do not respect human rights. You have already become the poster boy, in a way, for that whole notion that it is the young generation that have, as you say, somewhat purer motives, less self-interest, that are the ones that are going to be leading these fights in the future. Now, when Britain gave up its sovereignty over Hong Kong to China in 1997,、mm. that agreement was supposed to ensure that for at least 50 years until 2047, there would be what they called one country,、yes. two systems. Talk to us, if you would, about whether or not you feel, and the people in your movement feel, that China has respected this agreement. China totally did not respect this agreement, and instead of describing it as one country, two system, now I think we are turning to the trend towards one country, one system. And now the best description or narrative for Hong Kong would be one country, one and a half system, which means that when British just hand over, transfer the sovereignty to China. British continue to keep silence, and China, with the uprise of its power, become the superpower of the world. It just continually eroding human rights, freedom of this city, and Hong Kong still deserve its uniqueness because it's still the only city under China territories have certain degree of free flow of information. That's why I think live in Hong Kong, born in Hong Kong, have some meaning behind it. Hong Kong is obviously your very beloved home. You're very bravely fighting for its future, maintaining its independence, its freedom. But the question I have for you is: Do you see a broader threat that China poses to the world beyond Hong Kong? That's sort of encapsulated、yes. in what you guys are facing. What message do you want to deliver to the world to make them stand up and take notice if you do see such a threat? I would describe China as a threat to the stability of the Asia Pacific region. With the uprising power of China, China in the future it seems to be the leader of Asia and continue to deliver ideology that violates on human rights and rule of law, and just override on the principle of human rights. And what we foresee is if China continue uphold or obtain a dominant role in the world, it will continue to become a threat to the world, affecting the stability. I. Realize the experience of Hong Kong people towards China would be the best reference for the world to observe on what's going on for China. When China claimed that it already turned from a developing country to a developed leader of the world, but the leader seems continue to just override human rights by economic power on the human dignity by their authoritarian suppression. And that's the experience I faced, like prison sentence or the disqualification of a legislator, and even now, politician in Hong Kong is facing a risk of bankruptcy of repaying three million dollar to the government. That's the risk that we are facing. So they are using all the means at their disposal to crush you. Talk, if you would, about the new political party that you and Nathan Law and some、yeah. of your other colleagues have founded, Demosisto, and what your plank is,、yeah. what your platform, and what、yeah. are the ways in which basically the powers that be are trying to crush you. Demosisto is the political party that Umbrella Movement student leader founded after the end of Umbrella Movement, which means. Democracy and resistance, 
and we just combine it and name it Demosisto. And what we believe is, in the previous day, we will just organize campaign on the street. But if it's just a long-term battle until at least 2047, now is the time for us to transfer the power from the street to the legislative council, from the civil society to the institution. If it's a long-term battle, it's time for us to train up more young politicians and also young activists to organize campaign on the street inside institution or engage inside civil society. That's what we plan for. And we are the ones who insist to push forward civil disobedience on the street, campaign cooperating with civil society, and also filibuster inside the council. As I mentioned earlier, you were 14 when you started this movement, first with scholarism, protesting against the effort to impose communist Chinese curriculum on the schools, and then joining with the umbrella movement, and now the founding of a political party. Where did you get the intellectual foundation and underpinnings to not only lead a movement through your charismatic presence and your eloquence Mm. on street demonstrations, but really having the intellectual framework to go beyond that in the streets action. As you know, Hong Kong people have fight for free election and the equal right to vote in the election to elect the leader of our city for more than three decades already. And since Hong Kong have election around 1980s, in every election, pro-democracy camp versus pro-China camp, Every time pro-democracy camp get at least 60% of votes, which means that in every election, we get the majority. So when I need to organize campaign, there are a lot of scholars, professionals, and intellectuals. They stand on our side and will provide mm-hmm. some suggestion, advice, or guideline for us. When we are standing on the front line, there are team of people back us up. And that's the reason for Hong Kong people fight for democracy. It's a movement led by youngsters. But it's a movement involved by people from different generations. Do you remember how old you were when you first started following news and public events and paying attention to elections? Yeah, 14 years old. And before that, you weren't particularly a kid who was obsessed with politics? Yeah, just play video games, uh, (laughs) hang out with friends and having a normal life. And was it specifically the threat to Hong Kong's independent educational curriculum that shook you out of that typical teenage mode and suddenly made you say, what's going on here? I think the turning point would be, in the previous day, I'm just the one who care about social issue. But from a participant turned to be an organizer, I think the turning point would be the government would like to introduce the brainwashing education school curriculum to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And that's the order from Beijing. I'm a high school student. And when they are legislators that maybe graduate from high school for more than three or four decades, voice out for it. I just wonder why don't I stand up and lead a group of high school students to say, don't implement this kind of education to us. I think the reason behind for us to organize campaign, apart from against the interference from China, is also the way to show independence of mind and critical thinking. An extraordinary documentary titled, fittingly, Joshua, Teenager vs. Superpower, was released this year, and it's already won a number of very prestigious awards. It does tell the amazing story of the start of your movement and the almost miraculous way that your very tiny band of idealists somehow energized hundreds of thousands of supporters. It's a true David versus Goliath confrontation, and of course... 
the struggle goes on, and certainly there have been setbacks. But I want to talk about that whole word, miracle, miraculous, because when people read about you and it's a word that often pops up that people say, well, it was a miracle. It was miraculous. We don't know how it happened. Do you feel like there was some greater power helping you? As a Christian, I think in the previous five or six years involvement in social movement is how God guide me, just like my name, Joshua. And my parents named me mm-hmm. Joshua because they just hope, just like Joshua in Bible, mm-hmm. to lead people, to mm-hmm. lift the Egypt king and to lift the authoritarian suppression. That's the expectation on me. And I would say that social movement or political movement is just a process to turn something impossible to be possible and mm-hmm. just the way to create a miracle. And that's the things that I believe in social movement. For some politicians, they may just identify social movement as a PR show or just a game to put pressure on the politician that they don't like. But from my perspective, it's really the fight of David versus Goliath, the fight for people to leave the suppression of the Egypt king. I wonder if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about your fears, because I'm sure even the biblical Joshua had his fears. And you and Nathan Law, you've already been imprisoned for challenging the encroachments on Hong Kong's liberty. Currently, you're out while your sentence is being appealed, but it's a scary thing to be sentenced to prison. It's very frightening to confront a superpower with little more than your convictions and faith and determination. Would you be willing to talk with us about what scares you the most? I have no fear on presidency. I have no fear on China government. But I think always for activists or for people fight for democracy, the largest fear in our heart is ourselves. When we face the prison sentencing or we face the government put us in prison or kick us out from office or even now Nathan is facing a risk of bankruptcy. Of course, it's the authoritarian regime suppression on us. And that's why we identify now Hong Kong turned to be a semi-authoritarian city. I think the way to overcome the fear is not expecting the communist regime will collapse immediately. It's how to overcome the fear in our heart. And I think that's a lesson that everyone needs to learn. What steps would you like to see the U.S. government take to better support independence in Hong Kong? What should the government of the United States be doing? According to the U.S. Hong Kong Policy Act, when Hong Kong autonomy is strongly eroded by China, I think it's on no reason for the government to keep silence on it. And what we hope is when Hong Kong is under threat and not only affecting normal citizens, even affecting foreign citizens holding uh, maybe U.S. or U.K. passport or affecting the business interests. It's possible to make a further statement or to take a more active or progressive stand to pick up for people under pressure or under the threat of China that live in Hong Kong. Because I think Hong Kong deserves the uniqueness and Hong Kong deserves the world to keep their eyes on it because it's still the only city under China territories, still can freely access to Facebook, Google, or YouTube, or even free to use Skype. If I live inside mainland China, of course, I can't make this Skype conference or Skype call with you. Yeah. So I think how to remain 
freedom and autonomy in Hong Kong is not only the business of Hong Kong people, it's the things that the world should care about. And I think how the young generation lead the movement of the umbrella movement, more than a million people come to the street to voice out, we need to change the game and the game rules should not be decided by the wooden class. I think that's also the things that can encourage people around the world, especially even in the Western country with democracy. After Brexit happened, after the right-wing, far-right populism movement happening in European country, or Trump is being elected, I think how can people are aware that protests or social movement is not just the things that controlled it by a politician. It's the things that can really make change in the society. I hope it can inspire more people. First, the threat of China is not only a thing that Hong Kong or Chinese people need to care about. Second, political movement or strike on the street. Those struggle can really create miracle to turn something impossible to be possible. You and Nathan Law have already spent time in prison. You are currently out while your sentence is being appealed, but there is a real possibility that when the Lantos Prize is bestowed on you in 2018 in the U.S. Capitol, that you'll be sitting in a Hong Kong prison thousands of miles away. Now, obviously, we are praying that won't happen, but uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts about that possibility. Do we have the possibility of having you with us? Oh, it's better to ask the judges in the court. I'm not (laughs) sure. Because uh, around late of January, I need to face the first verdict. If the court do not reduce the prison sentence, I need to go back to prison to serve the sentence. And also early February, I have second verdict need to face. It will send me to prison around, I think, two to three months. Mm. So uh, I'm not sure... Perhaps when this is happening in Washington, I will be serving sentence in South Prison at Hong Kong. We hope that that won't be the case. We really, really hope that that won't be the case. And hopefully pressure from the outside and concern and interest and support for you will have some impact, we hope, yes. on what the judges do. Would yeah. you describe yourself as you look at the landscape and as you think about not only your own life, but what lies ahead for Hong Kong, would you describe yourself as hopeful, as determined, as frustrated, all of the above? What adjectives would you use to sort of describe how you see the situation? It's time to learn a lesson of overcome. I think it's the most important vocabulary that we need to use when we need to face the prison sentence. In the previous three years, there was a youth quake in Hong Kong to prove that young generation is ready to regain the right to determine our future. But we need to pay the price when it happening with the authoritarian suppression after the uprise of power of President Xi. If we can overcome the fear in our heart, there's nothing that will let us to be regret. Yeah. Well, um, it's very inspiring to speak to you. I think you make those who hear you feel more hopeful and more determined and also just very impressed by your courage. You know, there's a new movie that has just come out, Star Wars. A lot of people have compared you and Nathan and Agnes Chow to young Jedis taking on the evil empire. (laughs) Do you like that analogy? And are you ready to be the Jedi of your generation taking on quite a huge and intimidating empire? 
at first, I really hope to go to the cinema to watch this movie. But because today we just have a filibuster inside the legislative council, so I'm not free at all. And I would say that, in fact, I'm more a big fan of Avengers and Spider-Man. Ah. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, so I, I also love a lot. But uh, anyway, I think someone in Hong Kong would like to describe President Xi, the government, as Dark Vader. And how we can train more Jedi is the things that we try to do in the previous few years. And why I'm still optimistic with the future is because time is on our side. That's why I'm still optimistic with one day it will be capable for us to get back our rights. And Hong Kong can be the city that can let everyone deserve the right to decide their own lifestyle, their own future and their own career instead of all the things are interference or dominated by China. We will continue to shout your story from the rooftops. We're not going to give Hong Kong or the Chinese government a moment's peace as long as they continue to persecute you and other leaders of your movement and as long as they continue the erosion of democracy and independence in Hong Kong. And you really are a very exciting example of the young generation of leaders stepping forward. And you are inspiring and leading a lot of people, and for that we're very grateful. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak with Joshua by phone and to get an update on the status of his legal appeal. Okay, uh, first I would uh, like to update about my court case. Uh, as I have mentioned in email, we still cannot be 100% sure he will be free to travel to Washington, D.C. to receive the Lantos Prize later this fall but we could not be more proud to be recognizing and honoring this young hero with our highest award. I was struck by Joshua's remark that the most important word to him is the word overcome. So much is contained in that one word. It has the realist's acknowledgement that the task at hand is hard. It suggests that the road ahead may be long and that both courage and sacrifice will be required. But it is also a word full of hope and faith. Contained therein is a conviction that ultimately, in the words of the American poet Longfellow, the wrong shall fail, the right prevail. This is the necessary foundational certitude that all those who fight for human rights must have. In the words of the great civil rights anthem, Deep in my heart, I do believe that we shall overcome someday. Young human rights heroes like Joshua Wong are working to make someday tomorrow. I'm Katrina Lanto-Sweat. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Keeper. This episode of The Keeper was produced and recorded by the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice. To support our work and for more information on today's guest and topic, visit us at www.lantosfoundation.org.